Great morning, everybody. Great morning. Well, Coop, what time you like? By the time you wake up, this is like mid morning. This is like lunch. (laughs) What? I I mean, people get the snaps. They see you're up at like three forty eight a.m. Three forty eight a.m. This is lunchtime, man. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Hey, good morning. Thanks for thanks for working with my schedule. Good morning. Um. I'm doing good. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Can't uh, can't can't complain. Can't complain, man. Nothing uh, nothing too crazy. You know, family's good. Kids good. Wife's good. You bling know. bling. I like it. Should we get into the episode? Um, I'm gonna brag first. Okay. I just wanna. Up? Um, I just want everyone to know that every time Coop sends me a chiseled dad bod snap, um, I go ahead and, uh, bust out 50 pushups. So we've been pretty swell over here. Swell season up but in the, you, up in the Carlson house. But you've been on that, that Dave and Goggins though. And like running like, two, dude, two, I've, been, I've been running, I've been running lately. Um, Last night I ran two miles and it was fourteen degrees and like I was burning and like I, I think like I, I was going pretty fast coop mile one and a half I was like seventy five percent done right yeah I started like I started talking to myself because before the run coop I didn't want to go oh for sure and I replayed the voice in my mind. And I was like, man, I sounded like a loser before this run. And I had a side ache. And I was like, it does not matter because I am a warrior. And I just like, I, I dang near sprinted the last quarter mile. Um, no regrets. But uh, excited to hear more about Chisel Dad Bod when you got time, man. Yeah, man. I mean, we, can, we can get into that another, another... another episode. Another episode. I will say, um, if you haven't already, make sure to follow David Goggins on Instagram. Woo. If you if you want if you want to be challenged like mentally, I'm not ready for that, dude. Man, every time I see a post, I'm like, man, I'm not I'm not ready f- to be on that level. <laughs> Must see content. Did you see lately? He's been calling out um, people who are like copying his sayings and selling merchandise. And he was like calling them out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll let you go look at that later. Man, I, I seen I seen a little bit of it. Or did you see when uh you sent me the one he was in the gym working out and like he oh was like oh dude doing incline presses and like was at like rep twenty talking like just talking. You thought he was going to be done around oh. like rep twelve or thirteen. His spotter, his spotter disrespected him and was like. Oh yeah, like one more, one more, and uh, DG was like, "You don't know me, bro." You don't. Know- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Phew. I was like, well, just keep scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> he took himself. He took himself to a dark place, and I oh, love it. Man, I forgot I sent you that coop. You just brighten. You brighten my morning. It I'm helped. gonna. I'm gonna dominate today. 
Man. All right, man. Let's, let's bring in the guest. Let's do it. All right, Caleb, bring in our guest for today. All right, this morning we have a, a good friend of mine, uh, sales guy, entrepreneurial guy, really smart individual, um, Dusty Collins. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Coop gets real hyped. He likes, you know, he always likes to Do the hand bring clap. a little excitement when we come in. Oh. But uh, we usually start out, Dusty, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and why you do it. All right. So um, I am 33. I am a sales manager now for the last, I don't know, month. <laughs> so, um, and I am the third employee of a tech company based out of Minneapolis called Dispatch, which is effectively, it's the Uber of B2B delivery. We work with a lot of wholesalers um, and, and trades people, trades distributors. So we do, we're the tech side of that. We execute the deliveries, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, what dispatch is and, and where I work and what I do. So, um, uh, been in sales for like five years, but, uh, a huge chunk of that and a huge portion of my working career in sales has been in dispatch. I knew you were an early employee, but talk to us about being the third employee of a tech startup that has, I mean, I mean, millions of dollars invested in it, would you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah, our, uh, and that's, and our Series A is public information, and we actually just closed our Series B. Um, so we've done, I think, somewhere right around $20 million in funding. So, um, and we've got, we've got some pretty big-time investors. So Steve Case, who you may have heard of, runs a fund. Hmm. Um, uh, and he, Steve Case is the AOL guy. So he was mm. the owner of AOL and did everything with, you know, instant messaging. We were all on there. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Childhood memories, man. Not to name drop or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I showed up one day and Steve Case was on our uh, our team call, like just in his uh, in his vehicle, driving around the country with his wife, like hanging out at different national parks. Um, Love it. Like, is that Steve Case? What is going on here? But, uh, <laughs> so that was a pretty wild uh, Wednesday morning meeting. But um, yeah, you could say we've raised some money. We've they say about one percent of companies make it to the point where you raise a Series A, and then I don't even know what the number would be to raise a Series B. But typically, that means you've got some pretty significant product market fit. Um, and, and we do, you know, we've got, you know, millions of dollars in revenue as well. Um, but in the early days, you know, like your question asked, it was very, very, it was a very different story. We'll put it that way. And, and I'm the third employee, if you don't include founders, which I don't include founders. So there were two founders at dispatch. Um, and then there was another sales guy, uh, a customer service guy, and then myself, uh, what, so we split Minneapolis right down the middle and uh, mm. just tried to figure out who the heck was going to use this thing. Mm. What what did you do before you um, started this? So uh, the, the short version of it is uh, I graduated college from the University of Iowa with a degree in health sciences. Go Hawkeyes. Go Hawks, yeah. 
thought about going into personal training, um, did a little bit of it, but then uh, needed a corporate job, needed something that paid the bills. So I worked in at an insurance company in Dubuque, Iowa, as a health coach and, you know, sort of worked, worked my buns off there and there was pretty much no payoff. <laughs> I looked at my five-year career goal. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't my five-year goal. That's what it ended up being after the math. But I was like, man, I got to make, you know, 50K in the next like three years. And I ran the math and it was going to take me like five to seven years if I was lucky to get there with incremental mm-hmm. raises. I was like, man, that's, mm-hmm. that's not getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, so I had a buddy that I golfed with a lot who was in the sales department and, uh, and he was making good money. So I was like, man, I got to get into sales. So I uh, tried to get into sales there. They wouldn't allow for it. It didn't, it didn't happen. They weren't going to let it happen. Um, and my wife was getting, uh, a little fed up with our hometown, wanted to get out and explore a little bit. And so I moved to, we moved to Minneapolis from Iowa. Um, and I started working at a company called sports engine, uh, which is a, uh, tech, another technology company. And it was a late stage startup and they got bought by NBC sports when I was there. So, um, sold there for a year, did the Northwestern mutual thing, didn't care for it. Um, and one of my, one of my good friends from sports engine, uh, was starting this business dispatch. And, uh, I was like, dude, we got to get coffee. I got to hear about this thing. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing what it's all about. Hmm. And, uh, he's, he's the consummate sales guy. He could, you know, sell you anything. You could walk in knowing he's going to sell you something that you don't want and you just can't say no. Ice to an Eskimo yeah, type yeah, of thing. Exactly. <laughs> I knew what was coming and, uh, and I wasn't sure I wanted it. But by the time uh, the, the conversation was over, I was like, I got to, this is huge. I got to get on this. So that was, uh, that was all she wrote. And then it was me and one other guy splitting Minneapolis down 35W and I take the West. He took the East and we just, we just drove to these business parks and stopped in 40 to 60 businesses a day and said, Hey, we're doing this uh, delivery thing. Is this something you guys use at all? And just figured out what the market was. And, uh, you know, we hit, we hit on a few of them and found out, okay, yeah, you know, we, I believe this market's big, but then the more places we went, the more we are like, Oh yeah, this is really big. Mm-hmm. So, you you said you were the 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 Uber for businesses. Can you can you expand on that just a little bit? Yeah. So um, in the industry, it'd be final mile delivery. So we are last mile logistics. Um, you know, get your product from the wholesale distributor to the residence where an HVAC company is doing work on your you know blower motor and your furnace. And so we we're doing all mm. types of delivery uh, point A to point B that needs to be done same day and typically you know hey i need this here in an hour that's that's the type of logistics that we do Mm. can you um no this is great this is great um dusty can you talk about the differences between the corporate world and like what you're what you're doing now 
Yeah. So the corporate world is um, that that's really pretty close to what my first job as a health coach was. Um, and that was, you know, you're getting you've got X number of people that are working in a job and you just kind of hope that you get a three percent raise every year. Um, you know, right. like that that whole office environment, uh, stuffy office environment everything's proceduralized everything is slow moving you're meeting about everything there's decisions that are not being made that could have been made six months ago but it's only because you just haven't met on it yet it's like the the antithesis of progress it's just kind of like slow nothing's happening and you're hoping you know you're hoping you pray to god that you do a good enough job for a year and you can be the one to get that 3% raise. Otherwise it's another 2% raise, you know, on, on 30 K that's not moving the needle very much. Um, So, so that's the corporate environment. That's like kind of my first peek into a career after college. And then, you know, relative to that dispatch is like, I've worked there for four years. I've had probably four different jobs um, you just become a jack of all trades because you have to. So, you know, <laughs> I used to, I used to sell an account, uh, get them signed up. They'd be all excited about it. And then they'd put on their first delivery and I'd go do the delivery myself. You know, and they're kind of like, wait, what do we sign up for? Is this, uh, is this like just <laughs> hey, you? Hey, Dusty, it's you again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like is this you or like my you... twin brother? It's my twin brother. Yeah, <laughs> you just gonna drive all of our deliveries because that Hyundai is not gonna take it very far. Whoa, man! Yeah, this is great service, but uh... <laughs> we thought we were maybe jumping into a bigger enterprise here. Nope, we're dealing with just this guy. So it's so it's completely different. Um, it's exciting. It's faster paced, uh, and there's and there's so much more upside. You know, if you do a great job you're making a difference in the livelihood of all your friends that you work with too. You know, if this thing blows up, it's going to be great for all of us. And at the corporate, the corporate vibe is I'm going to grind my gears and hopefully get a gold watch when I retire and, you know, save enough money in my 401k to take care of it. I can still do all that at a tech startup. um, But I get all this other experience too. And it's good for the people that I care about. Can, can we can we rewind or Coop? I'll, I'll let you go if you want. Yeah, yeah. Let me go, dude. Okay, okay. My bad, my bad, bro. <laughs> um, Dusty. So I've always been fascinated with the ability to do something where you earn um commission, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do do you just want to talk? You know, talk about why. I feel like people have this negative stigma on like working a, a commission job sales versus yeah a steady paycheck. I know it's predictable, you know, stuff like that. Can you maybe just talk about the other, you know, being a guy that does, I guess Caleb does commission too, but I don't like him. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Could, could you that's just fair. talk a little bit about that? Dusty? Yeah. Well, I was going to use him as my example, but uh, no, I'll speak, I'll speak on it a little bit here. So, As somebody who I was very, I grew up super conservative. Um, I was not a risk taker at all. Um, Just my whole life, I just was kind of, 
I, I don't know, wary of salespeople. There's just some people just get raised that way. Um, and then when I took my first job where there was, you know, commission was going to be involved, I had a lot of anxiety around it. But what you don't understand, and this is in an ideal scenario, like you're solving a problem, people are happy to pay you that commission. You know, effectively, if your customers are the ones that are literally, whether you make commission or not, um, the fear around commission or the concern around commission for a lot of people, myself included, is that like I'd be doing, I'd be selling something to people that don't need what I'm selling. And therefore I'd feel negative about that experience because I'm, I'm giving them something that's only for my personal gain. But what I had to wrap my head around was like, these people want this and need this, or these people have this extra money that's laying around and they have all of these problems that they could use this money to solve. Once you can kind of wrap your head around working for a commission that way, just from an ethical standpoint, then that opens a lot of doors for you. And then you understand like, holy cow, like Caleb, Caleb uh, sold my house for me in two days and, and he did his job and he had a lot of fun with that and, and he made money off of that. And I am extremely happy. This was not my attitude probably before, but I'm extremely happy that he got paid off of that because it solved a major problem for me. So it's like a win-win. It's, it's exciting. Mm. It's um, an opportunity. And that's work that he did that he deserves to be paid for. And when I sell something to a customer, I'm not just going out and selling something because I need to hit some kind of quota. I'm selling it because um, that's what's in the best interest of the customer as well. So it's exciting because you can actually get paid for doing something that's for the benefit of someone else. So for me, it was a reframe in that way. That that's such a good yeah. definition of how you should look at a sales job versus how so much of society views it. That was a great that was a great answer, Dusty. Thanks. And if you're doing some if you're selling something for a commission and you don't believe in the product and you feel bad, you probably should. <laughs> and stop selling that. You know, it's yeah. it's a it's right. a simple solution to a simple problem that way. Yeah, a lot of times I, I, I tell myself to take my own emotions out of it and you know, just well, what would you do in that situation? You know, if, if, flip the coin, if you will. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. And- Coop, do you have a do you have a follow up question, or can I can I go with my less important? Well, you can go with the less important one, bro. <laughs> uh, Dusty. So back, we're, we're going backward. You know, you're talking making thirty k, forty k, fifty k, and you're just like, man, like this isn't. I need to make some moves. Um, can you talk about? where your motivations came from, where you're like, where did goal setting come from for you? Like, why did you like, you know what? 50 K isn't good enough for me. 45 K isn't like, I need to make like, where'd that come from? Um, well, it, <laughs> I, there's a story about myself and my wife and a conversation that I, that we had when we were dating that I don't know if she'd want me to share, but I can tell you that <laughs> it was a, a point of discussion before my wife and I got married was, hey, you like have to kind of figure this career thing out. And there's more context there because I was I graduated from college and I was having a hard time finding a full time job and accepting that, like, I would have to do something that wasn't personal training or to do with health and fitness. 
Um, and I ended up finding mm-hmm. a job that was, had to do with health and fitness, uh, but it didn't pay for, for much. Um, mm-hmm. And if I'm being honest, initially it came from a place of uh, ego and pride. It's like, I want to be the breadwinner of the family. Like I just had that traditional family in mind when I was trying to sure. do it. That's really what pushed me in the early days. And my wife is a nurse and, and nurses can make pretty good money right out of college. Like, you know, the thing totally. with nursing is you start out and you can, you can make good money right away, but there's not like a whole lot of places to go from there if you're not going to do additional education or whatever. And so I was like, man, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? So, so it was from, from a place of probably pride and ego and trying to provide for my family and be the main breadwinner for my family. Um, but then once I got going, I was kind of like, uh, thinking about the life that if I, if I worked harder, if I did better, if I earned more money, um, that would allow me, I want to be very generous with my finances. I want to be giving people money and, uh, gifting. It's probably one of my love languages. Um, and so mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. more that I earn and the more that I can kind of like take care of myself and my family, the more I can give as well. So it's, that's really the main driver, family and, and being able to give to other people or at least, you know, be generous in the capacity that I have the ability to do so. Hmm. Did, was there, um, when you first um, got on board with this uh, startup company at the time, um, was there any like fear going through your mind at all? A little bit, a little bit. Um, I was definitely pretty convinced that there was a market for what we were doing and saw the vision of what the guys that had started this company were seeing. So I was like pretty bought in. I was all in on the Kool-Aid right off the bat. Um, But keep in mind that I was just leaving Northwestern Mutual. And that to me felt like a much bigger risk because I was making good money at Sports Engine. And I left that to do a 100% commission job. Um, That's a financial yep. planning. Yeah, financial correct? planner. Okay. And you're, you're selling insurance and investments. And the investments aren't going to pay you for quite a while. So you're, you're selling insurance um, to your family and friends. So to me, that one felt like a pretty big risk because it was. Uh, and I did that for eight months and didn't make a ton of money. So I was kind of like you know what, this, it, even if there is risk with this company, like there'll be enough to get me by until I find, you know, the next thing, if it fails, but I wasn't really thinking about if it failed, I was just kind of seeing the upside and coming off of uh, what felt like a failure before that. So my perspective, I was kind of lucky mm. if you think about it that way, that I had already just kind of dealt with that fear before with the previous decision. So you mentioned you, you found out about your startup company that, you know, through your previous relationships. I mean, wh- what made you what made you good at building those strategic relationships and then maintaining them and fostering them into opportunities? You know, I knew in my career when I was living in Dubuque, I was I was just kind of hanging out with my buddies and not doing anything. I wasn't networking. I wasn't like reaching out right. to anybody and 
the progress that I was making on my career was reflective of that. And I think I put two and two together and was like, you know, moving to Minnesota, it's a fresh start. I can, I can um, do things there that maybe I was too afraid of doing in Dubuque or was too stuck in my bad habits to do in Dubuque. So I just knew that I had to meet as many people as I could and, uh, and hope it worked out. And the guys that I work with now are guys that I uh, started playing hockey with back at Sports Engine, um, which was something that I was a basketball guy growing up and, <laughs> and hockey was like not on my radar at all. But <laughs> I was working at a company where hockey was a part of the culture. And if you wanted to meet people and you wanted to do it pretty quickly, a really good way to do that is to pick up hockey. So um, that's the way I approached it was let's play some hockey and uh, see where it goes. You know, I love, I love hearing that, um, you know, moving and uh, getting, getting out of your comfort zone. Um, You know, just from hearing your story, it, it definitely helped you, you know, kind of force you to, to get out of some of those bad habits and, and slowly start getting to that next level in your, in your career. So I really, I really liked hearing that. Yeah. I, I just, my wife and I both knew we felt stuck where we were and it was kind of like, what are we going to do to get out of this? What are we going to do? Um, actually I was listening to your podcast Cooper with your wife and it was funny because the story that you told about, um, she'd be coming home from work and you'd be taken off and you, you basically just two ships passing in the night. That was me and my wife through our first yeah. few years of our marriage. She was a, a nurse working the night shift and I was a corporate guy working, working the day shift. So I'd be getting out of bed when she got home and getting home when she was heading out to work. So we were kind of like our marriage wasn't in an awesome spot. And um, if we moved somewhere <laughs> where we knew nobody, cause we literally, knew zero people except i mean there's a guy i knew from high school up in minneapolis but we it's not like we were close or anything we knew we'd have to rely on each other and it would be good for our marriage good for our faith and uh <laughs> we figured worst case scenario we move back but uh, you know like right. it, was a, it was a win-win that's a cool story i've never heard you talk about that part um dusty let's talk about like four years into a, a tech startup. Let's talk about the bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, how did you get through the hardships to where you're at now, where you're one of the top sales managers, whereas obviously, you know, before a month ago you weren't, you know? Yeah, that that's like? been a, that's been a pretty significant journey. So um, early days, it was super difficult because I had this belief in the company, in the vision. And I knew that there was product market fit to be had out there. I knew there was a ton of customers out there, but I knew zero about delivery. I knew zero about logistics. Um, I had no idea what industries this would even be. So bumps and bruises, you know, that was, that was every day. It was a school of hard knocks, just kind of knocking on doors and, and uh, talking to a lot of receptionists that uh, weren't wanting to give you many answers mm. uh, no matter how nice <laughs> you were. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. You have to talk to the person that's in charge of that. Okay. Well, who's in charge of that? 
well, I can't tell you. Okay, cool. Like, what, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, figuring things out, and that was that was pretty bumpy. And then once we finally started getting some traction on that side, um, we restructured the business. So the way that we had started originally had two sales reps that were kind of doing their own thing in an outside sales role, and we switched the model uh, to outside reps and inside reps. So then I switched because I was the junior of the two guys. I switched to an inside role. And I mean, that, that was the last thing I wanted to do was to switch back to business development from being a, somebody who's a full sales cycle rep where you go out, you create the business, you bring the business on, you close the business and then you service the business to now I'm basically like an appointment setter. Um, so that was, you want to talk about taking a hit to the pride and the ego. Um, that was tough. That was really tough. And then, you know, I did that for a while. I got the opportunity to lead the BDR team once we hired more people. So moving to that model did help us. We did get a lot of traction and things started moving quicker, which is key because in, in startups, you know, you're, you take on funding and then until the next round of funding, you're just kind of burning cash because you do have this revenue coming in, but you know, you're still at a net loss, you know, you, you just, and you've got payroll to make. So I really empathized with the owners of the company because I knew that I wasn't inexpensive to have on staff, but I also was kind of like, man, this sucks. I did not want to be an inside sales rep right now. Um, and then mm-hmm. It was just belief, I guess, grit and belief to get to the point where um, where I was then in a different role where I could close business again. And originally, the game plan for that was to happen in, you know, okay, we're going to get this going in a few months. Okay, now we hired a team of BDRs. Can you lead them for a little bit? Yep, I let them for a little bit. And I was like, all right, now it's just going to be a few more months. And, uh, you know, an opportunity was presented to be uh, to manage a team. Or to wait it out, play a different role, be a, an account executive, and then potentially manage that team. And so I took, I took the second route because I thought, I think there's a huge payoff and, and that remains to be seen. But um, this account executive position sounded like the perfect role for me. And, and then <laughs> another year went by and I was still doing business development because the business's needs sort of take precedent. And, and it, mm-hmm. that was a grind. That was a, a heavy grind. Um, and, you know, we just had just a ton of growth during that period. But all of that growth dictated that the position that I had said, yes, this is the position I'd like to do, got pushed back further and further and further. So as the business was having success, um, I was still having success, but it didn't feel like I was making any progress. Um, and so two years after, you know, I stepped inside from being an outside rep, I was still grinding as a BDR. And then we finally, it took two full years, but we finally opened up that account executive role. And then once that role was open, um, you know, I could, I could run really hard and, finally feel like I was contributing to the bottom line again, but 
for a little while I, did, mm-hmm. I went from being one of the two producers for the company and then I was just like one of you know 25 or 30 BDRs um, and just feeling like I was getting passed up by my old uh, my old buddies that were kind of moving up the ranks while I was grinding waiting for my moment so man man that's Ooh, man, love that. Love that. A lot of adversity. You know, <clears throat> Dusty, can you, can you, let's just talk a little bit on, on um, why you believe that people need belief and grit when they're going through those tough situations, right? Like when they're trying to build something or, you know, when they're at a place in the workplace or whatever they're in a position they don't want to be like, why is it so important to have that belief and grit? Like you had. If I think if you have belief, you can have the grit, but you definitely, obviously you do need to have them or you're probably just going to quit. It's, but, it, but belief, um, belief is something that you have to renew every single day because there are days mm. that you wake up and mm. you're like, Holy cow it's been a year and a half and I'm still grinding calls, setting appointments. Like I was out closing business. I was, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working with a dude that got hired to do the job that I used to be doing. And now I'm like, I'm, he's the point man. And I'm like, you know, setting him up. Um, it's like, that should be me closing the business. So it, you kind of will go insane. If you lose, if you lose track of your belief, and you don't have it, you'll go insane, you'll get lost, you'll forget why you are where you are. Um, so you just got to renew it every day and you got to, you got to try and get through it. And that's grit. So I don't know if I answered your question appropriately, but that's how how I felt. So it was, it was good. So what, what were some things that you did dusty to, uh, to renew your belief? Yeah. Let's, let's get specifics. Because I mean that's that sounds like some adversity. Sometimes it's um, it's just kind of like laughing at it. Um, there's a guy that you guys probably know, uh, David Goggins. Man, <laughs> DG. I, I, I'd go in the pain cave and I would just uh, just go right oh. at it. You know, like <laughs> like uh, I I'd listen to his podcast. I'd listen to his books. Get me amped up, ready to go. Um, on days when I just didn't feel like making a call, I'd challenge somebody, hold me accountable. I'm going for 80 today, you know? <laughs> and, uh, oh, and man. Hey, that's the end of the podcast. That's the end. We're done. See you next week. <laughs> it's just, it's just stuff like that. You kind of get sick and twisted inside your own brain. And, um, and when you're feeling resistance, you just push into it. So that's, that's how I did it. That and uh, and a good like a bunch of really great people around me that would encourage me when I kind of losing my faith and losing my mojo. Caleb, is this is this fate? So Dusty, what you don't know is um, <laughs> earlier Cooper and I were talking about the man, the myth, Mr. Gaga, legend. <laughs> uh dg man and i think 
Coop and I were maybe talking earlier this week when I was like, man, I really don't want to do this. And he sent me a post. He sent me a post from David Goggins saying, hey, every time you, you know, are feeling weak, record the way you sound and then play it back. And I won't swear for Coop, but listen to how much of a, you know, listen to how much of a B yeah. you sound like. And then, and then go do what you need to go do. Um, so Coop and I love uh, DG. So, so it sounds like you pulled from you know your your uh, your support system. You pulled from um, you know podcasts and books. Besides, besides David Goggins, is there anything you'd recommend to you know somebody in the sales grind or or, or in the corporate grind? Uh, Jocko Willink. I don't know if you guys know him. He's another Navy SEAL guy. Mm, yep. Um, yep. I love Jocko. Mm. I love the simplicity, but, and also just the relentlessness, like I'm motivated and inspired by, you know, the, the watch picture. He takes a picture of his watch every morning when he wakes up at four thirty AM to go work out. Um, I'm inspired by that all the time. I love Jocko, uh, but Goggins and Jocko are probably like my two, two main sources of inspiration. And when I'm feeling like, uh, feeling like a wuss, I just, like all right you know goggins has probably already run 100 miles today so i should probably get up (laughs) don't do it at least 20 uh who's jocko i know coop you said you know him but who's this jocko guy only i've and dusty will probably be able to explain it more um than i can i i've i've seen i've heard a couple of his podcasts he uh like you said he's a navy seal and like I don't know what level, like, I don't, on the the scale of craziness, like, where he's at with, with David Goggins, but, like, Jocko's got to be right there. Like, he uh, he's wrote a book called um, Extreme Ownership. Um, I haven't... Oh, I've heard yeah, the title. I, it's definitely on my hot list. I just, I haven't gotten to it yet, but, like, just listening to some of his, like, motivational stuff, um, it's another level, too, man. It's another level too. Yeah, those Navy SEAL guys, they uh they know what it means to to renew their own belief and in themselves. Yeah. And Jocko he was a Navy SEAL commander for the uh invasion in Ramadi. He he led the the charge in Ramadi, which was like one of the worst uh spots during the Iraq war. But mm. Yeah, that that's good stuff. Uh, so renewing renewing the fire within dusty let uh what's next man i mean you just you just get a promotion um things are on the up and up what's next for you with dispatch what's next for you with your own well we got uh some pretty massive revenue goals this year um you know like a 250 percent increase you know year over year so the work is never done. Never done huh? We got massive goals oh. to hit. We got a we got a company to build and sell. Um, so it so that's the, like that's like my main focus right now with work is just finding out how to build a company at a different stage. You know, we built it from the very very early stage where we don't even hardly know who to talk to. To now we've got this sales machine mm-hmm. humming, and I'm building you know, this account executive function in the company because um, it's a position that never existed. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to dial that in as much as possible. Um, 
hopefully the plan is build it, move up and out, you know, build something else within the company, move up and out and then, um, Mm -hmm. and then build something on my own. You know, that's, that's the long-term goal is to build something on my own. And that the vision on that is very unclear right now, but, um, I want to do something. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I want to do something and, uh, use the dispatch experience to sort of, sort of like a bachelor's in, in startup, the startup world. So. Oh, totally. And there were, and there were yeah, relationships as well, you know, that everything you can that leverage later. So that's like my main focus is how do I, how do I make dispatch an unstoppable sales machine in the account executive function so that we can hit our goals and crush numbers and all make some money when the thing sells. And then also um, personally, it's just, I got a a 13 month old little boy and that's why we moved back to Iowa from Minnesota was closer to family for him. So I just pretty much spend any time that I'm not working, I'm I'm hanging with him uh, and just enjoying watching him grow up to be a little man. So love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, Dusty, is there any uh, advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is. It's a head it scratcher. I would man. say something that my wife has done for me that I could have never done for myself was to think bigger than I was. When I was 18 years old, I thought I was going to go to college, get a degree, and be a teacher, and make 50k a year for, you know, 30 years and then retire. And my wife challenged right. that because she's kind of like, you know, do you even want to do that? So I would say I would challenge myself to think bigger. And even now, like, <laughs> there's a there's a part of me that that doesn't think big enough. So, as an example, my wife we were talking about decorating our house cause we've got this new house trying to put up our, uh, put up our Christmas lights and stuff. And I just bought this, uh, curtain hanger for the basement. And she's like, man, what, what should we, you know, we should light some stuff up. You know, we should put some outdoor lights up, et cetera. It's like, yeah, man, I'd love to get like some lights for that curtain hanger. It'd be the perfect movie lighting. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm talking about lighting up the whole house and you're focused on lighting up a, a curtain hanger in the basement for a movie lighting. But, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I should probably think a little bit bigger. So I would say think bigger. <laughs> I can relate, man. I can relate. I can relate. Oh, man. Think bigger and okay. don't be afraid to to take a few steps. You know, there's some things that I did some career choices that were open to me that I was too scared of, you know, sales jobs earlier in my career that could have completely changed sure. my trajectory, but also, um, you know, I was in the right spot at the right time too. So. Right. Build relationships, think big, uh, cha- challenge yourself that way. Dusty, um, where can people learn more about dispatch? Where can people learn more about you and what you're doing? I mean, where are you most active? Um, probably LinkedIn. I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn. So um, just look me up, Dusty Collins, on there. Uh, dispatch It is dispatchit.com. Check us out there. Uh, we're in 50 cities. So if you want to order from us, 
you can do all that through our website. But yeah, dispatchit.com is the place to go. If you want some bad, uh, bad sports takes uh, on Twitter, it's at Dutch <laughs> underscore Collins. But you probably, <laughs> unless you like reading about venture capital, uh, sarcastic venture capital jokes about making fun of themselves and Michigan football, uh, maybe don't follow me. I, I got to make sure I'm following you on Twitter, actually. I got to make sure. That, it's that a strange wonderful. combination of things, but yeah. I'm retweeting all the time. <laughs> there we go. Dusty, this was uh, really, really great. Um, it's been a while since I said end the podcast. It's been a no, thank you. Thank you for your time. Really, uh, really appreciate you um, spending some time with us tonight or this morning. Absolutely. <clears throat> appreciate <throat> you guys having me on. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and the takeaway, I guess, a little bonus takeaway is make sure you yeah. get a little David yeah. Goggins in if your you life. If you don't, you're missing out. You, that, I agree. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Dusty. Uh, another great episode. Another great cool. episode. Bye, guys. Man. Another phenomenal episode. Yeah, that was, a, that was an enjoyable conversation. Um, that was. Tech startups aren't something I know a lot about. So it's just good to get some of the lingo. And, and Dusty's a good guy. Um, yeah. Obviously, a very hard worker. I, I mean, he sounds like he was had every position, including janitor, at that place. Yeah, no, that was it. Was um, it was great. It was great, man. I, I was loving all the all the gems he was dropping there. Um, any takeaways, bro? Or you um, to go? let me have you go first, man. So. So I love the uh, got to have the belief and the grit. Um, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't. You can't talk about this. These two things enough. Um, you know. Ha- I mean, you know, you got to have the belief in what you're doing. Um, is going to lead to something bigger, right? Um, yeah. You know, belief, your why, but you also got to have that grit, also that hustle, that grind. Um, getting up every day when you don't want to get up doing different things. Um, that's not enjoyable. Um, and I, and I also loved, you know, on the same belief in grit, he had tools to renew his belief. Right. Cause like he said, you're, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be those days, you know, you're going to look up a year, two years and it's like, man, I'm still doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved he he had different things like podcasts, uh, different people he listened to, uh, friends and family, laughter. Um, so th- that was big. Just you know having things to to keep you going, keeping you motivated because those days are a part of life, you know. So I just I love that. And then man, his uh his eighteen his uh his uh. <laughs> Advice to his 18-year-old self, think bigger. 
Um, I, I always need to hear that. Man. I, I always need to hear that. Like, it's funny because he was talking about his his money goals. Man, that was hitting me. That was hitting me hard. Like, um, I used to set those same goals, too. Like, oh, when I'm this age, I want to make 50, if this age 60. And then, like, I just got to a point where, like, I hit all my goals. And it was like, and I kind of, for, like, a year, I just was kind of in a lull. Right, like in a daze. Right, what is life? Uh, yeah, and then you know, I just you know one day just had that moment where I was like, "Man, Coop, you need to get the, get these goals going again and and start uh, cranking again." So like, man, think thinking bigger. You know, I feel like we talk about this on this podcast, um, having massive goals. Um, yeah, man, that was it. Was good. It was good. The little, little nugget he had in there is like, man, I don't feel like making any phone calls today. And then he would make like a bet with a coworker, like, yo, let's, you know, let's see. Like, he would be a leader and uplift someone else so that the both of them would overperform. Love I, I always love hearing stories like that. I mean, yep. if, you, if you've ever cold called, 98% of people don't like doing it. But it's not that bad. It's, it's, it's just like going on a run or going to work out or you, you just got to just go do it. Right. Um, do it. so I, 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 I like hearing that side of it too. And, uh, another little takeaway is, you know, recognize an opportunity when you had, he had an opportunity. He was the, you know, uh, the third employee of a tech startup looking to get bought out. I'm sure for millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Like we're in the boat, take the chance. Right. Yep. Excited to see what happens with uh dispatch. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you don't, uh, if you don't follow David Goggins <laughs> on Instagram, like that guy will, will make you challenge life. Like what you better scroll you gonna... quick if you're not ready for. If you're not, if you're not ready, I'll I'll watch it and I'll just tag Caleb. And <laughs> I'll just be like Caleb, I'm not ready. <laughs> the the incline the incline press one is just like the, the the incline press that he put up the other day. Somebody disrespected him on his 12th rep, and you got to see a different animal. It was a different animal came out, man. But yeah, just just following crazy dudes like that, man, make you makes you go to a different place. So, but no, this this was a great episode. Great episode. Another great episode. Another great episode. Another relationship built and solidified. Yeah. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure to subscribe. Um, man, I I love I love the people that's been coming up to me and and telling me, um. They love the podcast, even with all our uh, issues, <laughs> <laughs> our technical difficulties we be having. Um, really appreciate you guys that are still hanging in there with us, listening, and appreciate um, the support. Yes, appreciate the support. Um, just you know, just just let us know how we can continue to add value. Um, yeah, just subscribe, leave a five star or a one star. I like any feedback. Just give us feedback. (laughs) (laughs) 
Cool. Hey, great episode, Coop. Great episode. See you next week, everybody. Peace.